still, I don't know, I'm just kind of old-fashioned. I still like to look at it, you know, and, and uh, I read some on, on iPad and digital, but I'm just, uh, I'm that old, I just like a good old paper, old-fashioned paper Bible to, so I can mark in it and write in it and everything. Somebody said one time years ago, and I t- said, if you, if you can't write in your Bible, throw that one away and go get you one you can write in. But, uh, amen, open your Bibles to the book of James tonight again. We've we just kind of been doing a little teaching and preaching and ministering through this first chapter of James here in the last few weeks. We, um, we did a few weeks on talking about uh, triumphing in our trials. Uh, we talked about temptation that James dealt with there and how to, uh, how to overcome temptation, deal with temptation and uh, the tussle that we have with temptation. Everybody has that tussle with temptation, but God has is, God is pr- provided the way for us to overcome temptation. Amen. We don't always, uh, you know, Christians sometimes do yield to temptation, but thank God when you do, you can get forgiveness and go right on and believe the Lord to strengthen you to overcome. But God's made a way that we can overcome and so we talked about that. Then we, um, we, we preached a message about uh, God being the Father of lights a couple of weeks ago. We talked about the light and being God being the light and the blessings, the attributes of God as being light. And so last week, um, we, we read from verses 18, 19, and 20. And I'm going to read those verses again. Uh, And we are talking about, and I'll finish that up tonight, but just a a little lesson called Tune In, Tone Down, and Sweeten Up. And that's something that we need to do is tune in, and that's what James is saying here. Look at verse number 18 in James chapter 1. Are you there? He said, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, he's talking to believers, to to Christians, uh, let every man be swift to hear, tune in, slow to speak, tone down, and slow to wrath or slow to become angry, sweeten up. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. How many knows that to be true? Amen. Now, last week we dealt with, uh, with that first thought there, the first thought on swift to hear, to tune in to what God is saying. How many remembers that? Yes, some of y'all was here last week. Um, but to tune in to what God is saying. James says that we are to be quick or swift or ready to hear, to tune in to what the Lord is saying to us. And how many knows God has got something to say to His church and to His people? Jesus talked about, and I'll just review a little bit what we mentioned, but Jesus talked about those that have ears to hear but don't hear. And um, so we don't want to be in that category, do we? We've, got, we've been given ears, and of course he's talking about hearing from the Lord or hearing in the spiritual realm. 
And uh, Jesus also said that we are to take heed or be very careful about what we hear. There's a lot out there that, uh, that, uh, that we don't need to hear. And we need to learn to tune in and to focus and to listen to what the Lord has to say to us. Because as I said, God is always speaking. God's got something to say to you. He's got something to say to the church. And uh, so Jesus said to take heed how you hear. Take heed to what you hear. In the last days, Jesus said that in the last days that uh, one of the main the major signs that we're in the last days would be deception. He said, you know, take heed that no man deceive you. So we've got to know that we're hearing from the Lord. There, you know, the Bible says for us as Christians to not believe every spirit, didn't it? John said in, in John, in 1 John chapter 4, he said, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirit, try the spirits to see whether they're of God. For many Many false prophets have gone out into the world and are deceiving many. And we're living in a day when um, a lot of people are listening to a lot of voices, and there's a lot of voices out there to hear. So you've got to know that you're hearing the right voice and that you're tuned in to the right voice and that you're hearing from the Lord. Amen. Because if there's one thing that Satan wants to do and that he's out to do is try to deceive and draw you away into a wrong path and a wrong way. I mentioned to you last week, and that's why Jesus said to take heed how you hear and take heed to what you hear. And I mentioned to you last week that there were three main ways in which the Lord speaks to us. Three main ways in which the Lord speaks to us. And they are, number one, you remember, number one is through the Scriptures. That's the very first one. That's the main one. He speaks to us through the Scriptures. Anything God says to you, anything the Holy Spirit says to you is going to be in line with the Scriptures. Amen? And so that's how you can test, if, am I hearing from the Lord or not? Does it line up with the Word of God? And so we need, that's why we need to be in the Scriptures and learn the Scriptures, and know the Scriptures, so that we'll be a hearing from God. Hey, listen, you know, every time you get, every time you get alone with the Word of God in the Scriptures, that's a personal visit you're having with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was, he, Jesus, you know, John said in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. So you can't separate Jesus Christ from the Word. He's the living Word. He's given us the written Word. And so He's going to talk to us and speak to us through the Word of God. Amen. So that's why we have to know the Scriptures. But the second way that we said that, that the Lord speaks to us is through the sermon, through the preacher, through the pastor, through the message that's being preached. And um, I know a lot of people, a lot of people, I don't know, they, they'll take issue with that. But uh, a God-called 
pastor, a God-called and God-anointed, Holy Spirit-anointed pastor or evangelist that is preaching the Scriptures, that is preaching the truth, God will speak to you through the sermon. How many of you here has ever had the Lord to speak to you through a sermon? Whether it was me or not, but, you know, but, but you've, you've, you've had maybe questions or you've been going through something and, you, you know, you didn't know. I had a person come here, um, I don't know, a year or so ago, and, and uh, talked to me after church. And they said, and they didn't attend this church, but they, they were going through some things and they had some questions and they, they were asking God about some things. And the Lord, the, the Holy Spirit prompted that individual that it was on a Wednesday, prompted that individual to go to Abundant Life Family Church. They came here that night, and, and guess what happened? I knew nothing about what they were going through. I knew nothing about their situation. But after church, you know what they told me? God, through your message, God answered all the questions that I had. That's the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can't, you can't, you know, you, that's, a, that's the only way you can, that's the only way that you can explain that. And God does that. You know, there's an element, you know, people are, people are going, I, I, okay, now I'm going to get, I got to, I got to finish this up tonight. But you know, people are running here and there and hither and thither, uh, trying to get a prophecy or trying to get a word from the Lord. Are uh, You know, they're saying, uh, you know, hey, brother, have you got a word for me? And I always tell them, I got a whole book full of words for you. I got all kinds of words for you. You know, but, but they are. And do you know that you, uh, me, anybody, if we're depending on, if we're looking for a prophetic word all the time, we're, you know, the, the enemy can accommodate us to lead us astray and to lead us in the wrong way. But many times through the preaching of the, of the message of the sermon, there's an element of prophecy that, that operates many times in the message. There'll be times that I'm preaching and uh, I'll say stuff that, that I didn't study. I'll say stuff that I didn't think about ahead of time. I'll say stuff that's not in my outline. Amen? And it'll minister to somebody. And, and it's a, that's a word from the Lord that the Holy Spirit is speaking to that church and to that individual. So, you know, any time we, we come to church, we need to, uh, we need to have our ears on. Amen? And we need to have our ears on and ears open to hear what, what the Lord has to say to us. Whether it's a Wednesday night, a Sunday night, a Sunday morning, whatever, when that, when that pastor or evangelist or whoever's in that pulpit preaching the Word of God, we need to let it speak to our hearts and open our hearts and say, Lord, speak to me through this message and, and apply it to our lives. Amen. You know how so many people, you know, you know how some people listen to a sermon They'll, they'll hear Pastor Rick preaching and they'll say, boy, so-and-so should have been here tonight. He'd really got on them. Amen. Well, it don't matter who's not there. If you're there, open up let the Lord speak to you from the Word of God. So listen, so, so he says, um, tune in, tune in to the Word of God. And he speaks to us through the Scriptures and he speaks to us through the sermon and he speaks to us thirdly through the Holy Spirit or through the Spirit. The Spirit, Jesus said to those churches in the book of Revelation, he said, uh, he said, He that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. 
And so the Holy Spirit is speaking to the church. The Holy Spirit is speaking unto us. I talked about last, last Wednesday night, we talked about Samuel, little Samuel, you know, when he was serving there as a little child for Eli the priest. And he was hearing the voice of the Lord. Remember that? And the, the, the Spirit of God was calling Samuel, Samuel, and, and, um, and he'd run into Eli, and Eli'd say, I didn't call you, go lay back down. And three times that happened, and the third time Eli said, that has, he discerned that it was the Lord. It had to be the Lord that was speaking to, to young Samuel. So he said, Samuel, go lay down. The Lord's trying to talk to you. And uh, the next time you hear that, you say to him, you just say, speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. Speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. And, uh, you know, I made mention of the fact that we've reversed that. And uh, most Christians today are not saying, Speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. Most of us are saying, Hear, Lord, for your servant speaketh. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I've got something to say to you, God, and you need to listen. Well, you know what? I found out a long time ago, I can't tell the Lord anything He doesn't already know. But if I'd shut up just a little bit and let the Lord speak to my heart, He could tell me a whole bunch of stuff. Amen? If I'd just take time to listen, to tune in, and to listen what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to our hearts and to the church. I, I read a story about years and years and years ago, way before my time. <laughs> and way before Brother Terry's time. And, you know, way before that, back when, before refrigeration. And uh, that was a long time ago. And, uh, but anyway, they, they built what they called, they built ice houses and insulate them and had the doors all sealed up. And in the wintertime, they, they would... They would cut blocks of ice and put in these ice houses. And I, I read that they, how they would cover them with sawdust to help insulate the ice. And they'd put their meat and different things in there. That was their way of refrigeration. But the story was that one of the guys, there was one of the guys working in the ice house that lost his watch in that pile of sawdust. And so he got some of his friends together and and uh, they looked all through. They hunted and they looked and they hunted and they looked and they just couldn't find that watch. And so when they left to go out for lunch, there was a little boy that was there and he thought, well, I, I'll find that watch for him. So he goes in. When everybody had left, he goes in and he's in there for, for a few minutes and it isn't long. Here he comes out with that guy's watch in his hand. And they said, well, we looked all over. We searched through that sawdust. We couldn't find it. How in the world did you find that? He said, it was really easy. He said, after everybody got out of there, I just went in there and laid down in the sawdust and got real quiet. And when I got still enough, I could hear the watch ticking. And I just went to where the ticking was and I pulled it out of the sawdust. And you know what? If we could just get, you know, if we could just get to the place where we could listen, Lord, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We're hearing. Amen. God has something to say to us. And he speaks through the scripture and he speaks through the sermon and he speaks through the Holy Spirit. Amen. I could go on with that, but listen, those are the three main ways. If God's going to talk to you, He's going to talk to you in one of those three ways. Amen. Amen. All right? So don't be seeking, don't be seeking for special manifestations and revelations. 
You don't be asking God, let an angel come and talk to me because you can open yourself up to hear from some bad stuff and get sidetracked and get messed up. Stay with the Scriptures. You Can I get an amen? All right. So we've got to tune in to what God's saying, but then James went on to say, not only are we to be swift to hear, but we're also to be slow to speak. Now that doesn't mean that we talk real slow. (laughs) Amen. It just means that he's saying that we need, number one, we need to be doing more listening than we are talking. You know, the, 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 uh, the rabbis, the Jewish rabbis always said that God gave us God gave us two ears and one mouth, so we should listen twice as much as we talk. And that's kindly what James is saying here. Um, Someone said this, said it's better to keep your mouth shut and be thought a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. (laughs) Amen. But uh, think, (laughs) think before you say. In other words, don't, don't, don't be always running off at the mouth, but be slow to speak. Are you, are you with me tonight? Be quick and swift to hear and tune in to hear what the Lord's saying, but be slow to speak and be slow in what you, think, what you say. Many things, someone else said, many things are opened by mistake, but none of them as frequently as the mouth is. Amen. So let me read you a few verses of Scripture. Let's go to Proverbs. I think they got, I've got them back there. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 19. Look what that says. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refrains his lips is wise. Do you know what that verse is meaning there? That the, that if, that the more you talk, the more apt you are to sin with your lips. And that's, that's, how many knows that's the truth? The more you talk, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. Go to 13 and 3, Proverbs 13 and 3. says, He that keeps his mouth keeps his life, but he that opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Look at Proverbs 21, 23. Whoso keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. How many people have got in trouble by something they've said? Our words and our talk has probably got us in more trouble than anything else. And that's what the Holy Scriptures is telling us to watch our talking. Ecclesiastes 5 and 3 says this, For a dream comes through the multitude of business, but look at the second half of that, and a fool's voice, now now remember I didn't write this, I'm just reading it to you, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. So the scripture's very plain, and we could go on and on through other verses that's very plain to tell us that we need to listen more than we talk. Listen more than we talk. 
Now Jesus gave a warning in, in uh, Matthew chapter 12. Jesus gave a warning about idle talk and idle words. And Jesus said that every one of us, well let me just go over there and read it to you. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36. Jesus said that, we're, that, that we will give an account. And this is, a, this is kind of a sobering thought when you think about it. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36. Jesus said, But I say to you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So that's quite a, that's quite a staggering thought, isn't it? To think that you and I are going to have to give an account to God for our, what we've taught, what we've said, our, our words. So we need to make sure. That's why the Bible says that we're to, we're to watch what we say. We're to be slow to speak. You ever heard people, you know, and I've known people and heard people say, boy, you just wait till I see them. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. I'm going to tell them off. I'm going to let them have it. And, you know, I've said this before. It's the reason a lot of people don't have much mind left. They give everybody a piece of it. Amen. <laughs> but we're going to, we're, listen, we're going to have to give an account. What is an idle word? What was Jesus actually talking about when he said that? When he said that, that we're going to give an account on the day of judgment, when we stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, you know the Bible says that at the judgment seat of Christ that we're all going to have to give an account for ourselves, what we've done, good or bad. Now, I'm not talking about a judgment to see whether you go to heaven or hell. I'm talking about the judgment of the believers when we stand before the Bema seat of Christ, not the great white throne judgment of sinners, but the Bema seat of Christ when we receive our rewards for what we've done here in this life after we've been saved. But we're going to give an account to the Lord, he said, for our lives. And part of that's going to be for what we've said, the idle words that we've said. And that word idle means words that are non-productive, words that don't contribute anything, and uh, words that don't help. But how many, how many knows that, that words, listen, what you say, and this is why we got to be so careful of our words because what you say, what I say, what we speak is either going to help somebody and bless somebody and encourage somebody or it's going to hurt somebody or a situation and tear some, something down, amen? The Bible says that death and life Listen, in Proverbs again, Proverbs has a lot to say about our words and our tongue and our talk. And James deals with it here in the third chapter of James. And we may get there one of these days and talk about that from the third chapter of James. But the Bible says in Proverbs that death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can heal somebody with your words. You can hurt somebody with your words. You can lift somebody up with your words. You can tear somebody down with your words words. Amen. 
There isn't anything any worse that I know of than somebody, somebody going behind another person's back and running them down and telling lies on them and trying to destroy their character and ruining and wrecking that individual's life. That's what, what wrong words, idle words can do. And I'm going to tell you, we got to be careful about what we say about other people and to other people. Our tongue can get us in a lot of trouble. I think I know why everybody stayed home tonight. <laughs> but words that are hurtful rather than being helpful. And Jesus is saying here that any word that you speak, an idle, non-productive word, Words that you speak that do not build up, that do not edify, that do not help, but rather hurt or destroy, that you, I, all of us are going to have to give an account of when we stand before the Lord. I don't want him to look at me and say, uh, Ricky, why did you say that about that person? Boy, that's going to be a time we ain't going to have much to answer, are we? I, get, I better move on. But much harm's been done by foolish talking. A lot of harm. Homes have been... Listen, what, I, what I'm talking to you about right here from James and these couple of verses will work wonders in a home, in a marriage, and in a relationship. If we would apply this verse to our, to our home life, being tuning in, being, being swift to hear and being slow to speak. You know how arguments are. I mean, you know, in between, well, let's not go there. Praise God. <laughs> but, but, but so many homes have been destroyed. I, I talked a little bit, you know, about the sacredness of marriage on Sunday and talked about divorce and, 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 and problems, you know, that arise. I think we're all aware of problems that can arise in homes. But it, but it happens so many times because there's an argument, there's bitterness, there's bitter words that are spoken that, that drive people apart instead of bringing them together. And that's, uh, that's, that's such a sad thing. But so many homes have been destroyed and so many hearts have been crushed and so many families have been divided and so many churches have been split and tore apart by idle words, by wrong words, by someone's tongue that they've used to destroy a church or a ministry. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? There's people that, that, that there's souls that have been lost. There's souls that, 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 there's people that's out of church today, that one time was in church, that are out of church today, that are away from God today because of something that somebody said. Now, I, I'm not going to say that that, that, got, that that excuse for that person on the day of judgment is going to hold any water. Well, you know, I got hurt. How many people I've talked to as a pastor and, and said, where do you go to church? Well, they don't go anymore. Used to go all the time, but they don't go anymore. But because I got hurt, because somebody said something, because of words that were spoken, that that you know that's that's a that's a, it's 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 an epidemic. It seems like today there's so many people like that that need to be healed from things that were said to them. Oh, we've got to we've got to put a watch on our lips and our tongue and guard our mouth. Come on, somebody, Amen. 
Hallelujah. I mean, God has caged that tongue in behind a set, a, an ivory fence, but uh, I mean, we still open it and let it out and say things that we shouldn't say and say things that we regret. And sometimes, you know, when those words get out there and we wish, have you ever said something that you wish you could just reach out there and grab it and pull it back, you know, and, and say, oh my, did I say that? Slow to speak. David said in Psalm 141.3, and this is a prayer that we all probably ought to pray. He said, set a watch before my mouth. Lord, keep the door of my lips. Give the Holy Spirit control of our tongue and of our mouth. Amen. James in James chapter 3 said that if, that if we came to the place, anybody that could come to the place where they did not offend with word, with a word, would be a perfect man. Whew. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? So we need to work on what we say. I better move on then, hadn't I? little poem said, a wise, old, a wise old owl lived in an oak. The more he saw, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Why can't we all be like that wise old bird? <laughs> Amen. Be slow to speak. So we need to tune in to what God's saying. We need to tone down, tone ourselves down to what we're saying. And then we need to sweeten ourselves up. I know some of you are too sweet now. <laughs> Ain't that right, Sister Sharon? They don't, don't need any sweetening up. They're sweet enough now. <laughs> Amen. But notice what he said there, James said. I'll be done. I, hey, look, the, the, the pain will be over here in just a minute. We'll be done. But notice what he said in, verse, in that verse. He said, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and notice, slow to wrath. Slow to become angry. Slow to get mad. Kind of keep going slow. Not flying off the handle. Have I killed this service tonight? (laughs) Slow to lose your temper have a tantrum, throw a fit. Glory to God forever. I don't think, you know, we talk about losing our temper. I think that's what what happens is we actually find it and uh, let it go. But he said, be slow to, to wrath. And I like the Amplified. The Amplified says, slow to take offense and to get angry. Slow to take offense and to get angry. We taught several weeks on Wednesday nights on the bait of Satan from uh, John Bevere's book. We taught a few services. I did a, a 13 weeks in Sunday school on that. But, but, then, but, but slow to take offense. Do you know there's so many people today, so many Christians that are so quick to get offended. I've never, well, it's, in, it's all over the, the place today. Everybody's offended about everything. And it's just, 
You know, I guess it's just the way I am. I seem like everything I say offends somebody. Well, if you preach the Bible, you're going to offend somebody every once in a while. But we're not, as Christians, we need to be, listen, we don't need to be so quick to get angry and to get offended and get our feelings hurt and holding our, wearing our feelings out on our sleeve and just waiting for somebody to say something or do something so we can get mad and blow up. That's not the way that Christians are supposed to act and behave. Amen? We're supposed to, we're supposed to have that anger and that temper and all that under the control. Do you realize, do you know what one of the, how many fruit of the Spirit are there? There's nine fruit of the Spirit. And one of those fruit of the Spirit is temperance. And temperance means self-control. Come on, amen. We need to have our emotions. And, and listen, we all have emotions. We all have, yeah, I mean, that's it's part of our human nature. Anger is part of our human nature. God has placed that there. But it's when that anger and that turns into wrath and it gets out of control out of hand that's when it becomes a problem in our life and that's why the Holy Spirit wants to control our anger he wants to control our emotions he wants to control our speech he wants to control our tongue he wants to control what we say and you and I need to be yielding ourselves Christians believers we need to understand that we can't control these things within our own ability or within our own self we've got to have it's the Holy Ghost it's Christ living on the inside of you that gives you the fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The works of the flesh include wrath and anger and all these things we've been talking about. But it's the fruit of the Spirit that produces in us love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance and kindness. Hallelujah. Against such there is no law. Come on somebody. That's how we as believers are to operate. Live according to the fruit of the Spirit. We need to sweeten ourselves up. All of us could use a little sweetening. So be slow to lose your temper. Now the Bible the Bible doesn't teach that we are never to be angry doesn't teach that. But we're not to let anger become a sin in our life. Was it Romans, I'm sorry, Ephesians 4.26? Paul said, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Isn't that what he said? Anger is something that that we have, but it has to be kept under control. I mean, listen. As I said, anger in itself, to be angry is not a sin. It's when that anger is unleashed in the wrong way or toward a person that it becomes sinful. It's when we get angry and we let the sun go down on it. I better go on. <laughs> but anger in itself is not a sin. Jesus, how many of y'all know Jesus got angry? Was Jesus perfect? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was perfect. 
he was not a sinner, right? He never sinned ever one time. He lived a spotless, sinless, perfect life. He was God in the flesh. He was 100% God, 100% human, but he never, ever, ever, ever sinned. He, he, he was tempted in all points like as we are, the Bible said, but what? Without sin, never sinned. But Jesus did get angry. At one place he's there, you know, and, and the Pharisees is always on him for healing on the Sabbath day. And I, I think he did it just to frustrate them. He just knew, you know, he just wanted to aggravate them. <laughs> and so he's there and there's a man in the synagogue with a, with a withered hand. His right hand's all withered up. And, and the Bible said that the Pharisees and the scribes and those guys, they were all there, the religious folks, you know, and they were just watching him to see. They said, there's a, there's a guy with a withered hand. We know he's going to heal. It's Sabbath day. We're going to nail him today. And they're just watching him to see if he's going to heal on the Sabbath day. And Jesus knew what was in their heart, and he knew what they were doing. And, and the Bible said he, he looked at that man with a withered hand, and he told him to stand out, stand forth in front of everybody. And Jesus asked him a question. He said, is it, is it lawful to do, to, to do right on the Sabbath day, do good or evil, to hurt or to heal? And then the Bible says this about Jesus. said, he looked around about on them with anger. Because of the hardness of their hearts. Because of the hardness of their heart. What was angering Jesus that day? He was angry, but he wasn't sinning. But he was angry because of the condition of those religious people's hearts. Because they were so, they were so calloused against other, against other people. They, they would rather have nailed Jesus' hide to the barn door than to see this man get delivered and healed. And, and that was a hardness. It was a sinfulness in their heart. And it angered the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can tell you something today that Jesus, Almighty God, still the Holy Spirit still is angry with sin. Are you listening to me? And as born-again believers, there is, we call it, we like to call it righteous indignation, don't we? Oh, that's just my righteous indignation stirring up. And, 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 but, but, but there is, there should be, there must be, there has to be an anger in a believer, in a Christian. There's got to be an anger, not at the person or the individual, but there's got to be an anger against that sin and that sinfulness in the world today. Amen. I don't mind telling you that I get upset, that I get angry, that I get perturbed at what I see going on in the world today and what's promoted today when good is called evil and evil is called good and the perversion that's in the world and the sin that's in our nation. I get angry. Come on somebody. And I'm going to tell you, if you love Jesus, if you love the Word of God, then sin will anger you as well. I'm angry at the liquor business. But I still love the bartender. I still love the alcoholic but it angers me what that, what that junk does to people. And then it really angers me when the church is saying it's okay to bring it into the church now and everybody can drink a little bit. That really, you want to get, help me Jesus. Oh, you know, people say, 
Pastor Rick, you need to lighten up a little bit. You know, we're living in a different day now. I mean, oh, it's okay. Listen, I, I've, I've, I've never seen alcohol. I've told you all this before. I've never seen alcohol do anything good in my life or in my family or anybody I've ever known of. Alcohol has been a detriment to their life. It's, it's destroyed. It's, ki- it's a killer. Come on, somebody. But I, and, and, and I get angry with that. I get angry today. I get angry today. When I turn on my television, I can't even watch TV anymore. I can't even watch. There's no shows on there worth watching because everything you turn on, every show, every family, everybody's got a gay marriage or a gay couple on there. They're, 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 they're making it look like and trying to, 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 uh, to, to get us to accept their agenda. Listen, I think there's 3%. Is it 3% of the population in America that is, that is, that is uh, are, are homosexual, that are gay, and they try try to make it like it's 83%. And I get angry with that. I get angry with that. I get, I get angry. Oh, help me, Jesus. I get angry when I'm flipping through my Facebook feed and, and everybody's posting the picture of, of, of Mayor Pete and his so-called husband kissing one another. I have to hide that post every time. I know he's gay. I know he's got a husband. I'm against that. That angers me. But I don't want to look at that nonsense and that foolishness. That's an abomination to Almighty God, are you listening? I I love the man. I pray that the man gets saved. I pray that everybody that's involved in in a same sex relationship will find Jesus and be changed by the blood of the Lamb. But the sin angers me. And we need to get so angry. That's what's wrong with preachers today. Oh, Brother Rick, are you mad? I'm mad at the devil. I'm mad at sin. I love people. I want to see them saved. I want to see them delivered. I want to see them set free. But we need to be angry at what Satan is doing in our nation and in our churches and in the lives of Christians and how sin is ruining and wrecking and destroying people's lives. Amen. Amen. supposed to be a Bible study, but had to preach just a little bit. So we have to get, we have to, I must, listen to me saints, I must preach against sin. I must. Not just preach against sin, but preach the remedy for sin, which is Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ and the blood of Christ. This is the remedy. There's a remedy for sin. See, see those that are, you know, I know it's time to go, isn't it? Those, those, that, are, those that, are, that are bound by that perversion of homosexuality, lesbianism, transgender, Fluid gender. That means that means that someone that's a fluid gender. Have you, have you heard that term? Oh yeah, that's the new one now. Fluid gender. That means that at ten o'clock in the morning, I could identify as a man, and at eleven thirty, I can say I want to. I, I feel like a woman now. 
I just identify as a woman, and then by three o'clock, I'm like, it's just fluid. It just changes. With it, just changes. Let me tell you something. You know what that is? You want me to tell you what that is? That is a demon spirit. That is a schizophrenic spirit. That's a demon spirit that has a hold of that individual. And Jesus Christ can set them free. And Jesus Christ can deliver them. But the problem is, the problem is that we've got preachers that stand in pulpits that will not say, call it what it is, but instead they'll say, come into our church. We will accept you as you are. It's okay to be the way you are. It's not okay. It's not okay. Jesus Christ has died for that sin and will redeem and restore and heal and deliver. Amen. Amen. They don't have to they don't have to stay in that situation. See, we're angry with the wrong, but we're not angry with the wrongdoer. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus was angry with what was going on in the temple. He went in there and kicked their tables over and knocked their cages of doves off. Said, You've made my father's house a den of thieves. He was angry with what was going on. So when I get up and rant and rave and spit and holler and scream, I'm not mad at anybody, but I'm mad at the devil. And I'm mad at sin. I'm angry with it. And we need some preachers today that will be a voice in the wilderness that will stand up and preach the truth of God's Amen. Amen. What time is it? i got to close. I mentioned this in prayer service. Um, I jotted it down. I don't know what I did with it, but I mentioned it in prayer service on uh, Tuesday. I just heard about it this week that a, I won't call the denomination, but it is a mainline Pentecostal, full gospel, evangelical denomination in the district, their district of this particular denomination in North Texas, there was a church, one church, one pastor that got up this past Sunday and announced that their church from now on will be homosexual inclusive, that they will allow homosexuals to serve in areas of leadership, and that they will marry gays in their church. This is a, quote, spirit-filled Pentecostal group. Now, I don't know about anybody else. Maybe I'm the oddball here, but that angers me. And it should all of us. That's why we're praying. That's why we're praying. We're in the last of the last of the last days. Are you listening to me? As it was in the days of Lot, so will it be in the days the Son of Man comes back. So I'm going to preach against the LGBTQ whatever. I'm going to preach against that. I'm going to call it what it is. It's perversion, it's sin. I'm angry about it. But when it comes to the individual, we must reach out to them, not with anger, but with 
compassion and with love and show them in the Word of God that Jesus Christ will change them and Jesus Christ will set them free. Amen? We can be a church here. You know, when all the other churches is except them in, here can be a place, here can be an oasis where they can come and find the truth and be delivered and have Jesus Christ change their life. Praise God. Amen. Worship team, you make your way back. I'm going to close. I'm about done. Proverbs 29, 22 says this, An angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds with transgression. Do you know that losing your temper, getting angry and letting that angry get out of hand always leads to other sins and always causes us to do stuff and say stuff that we shouldn't? And you know what? Here's, here's Moses. Moses. Great, great man of God. Moses. Bible said of Moses, there wasn't anybody on earth as meek as Moses. He was humble. He was meek. For 40 years, he led a church through the wilderness that I would have probably resigned the first day. They was a bunch of characters. They were never happy. They were always complaining. They was always wanting to go back to Egypt. They was fussing. They was feuding. They was, they was, they was worshiping idols. They was doing everything. But Moses prayed for them, and Moses interceded for them, and Moses led them. And Moses was there when the whole group that came out of Egypt and he started the church with was all gone except two people. I feel like that sometimes. Two people was always left. But then that next generation came up. And you remember when they were complaining about water. Don't have nothing drinking. God showed Moses the rock and said, smite the rock. And he smote the rock and the water came forth. Quenched their thirst. But then, 40 years later, the next generation comes up. And they're doing the same thing. They're belly aching because they're thirsty. And there ain't no water. And instead of trusting God, they're blaming the pastor. They're fussing at Moses. They're saying, why did you bring us out here in this wilderness? You can't do anything right. We need another path. We just go back. We're just going to leave. And God spoke to Moses and he said, go to the rock and speak to the rock. Isn't that right? Moses had one little problem this time. The meekest man in all the earth got mad. I'd have been mad long before then. (laughs) And he said, you rebels, you bunch of rebels. Am I going to have to bring water out of this rock? And God said, speak to it. See, he's destroying the type. That rock was Christ, Paul said. It had been smitten once before and the water came out. But after, listen, Jesus only smitten once. Now you speak to the rock. And Moses got mad and he smote the rock twice and God was gracious and the water came out just like God said that it would. But God said to Moses, you you disobeyed me, you dishonored me in front of the people, you smote the rock, You you, you allowed your anger to get control of you. He said, sorry man, you ain't going in no promised land. And the Bible says in Psalm 106 that the people caused Moses 
to speak unadvisedly with his lips. And every time I read that, I think, Jesus, help me as a pastor. Because I'm telling you, anybody that's never pastored a church or dealt with people, and even if you've been in business and worked in the public and have to deal with people, has people ever made you speak unadvisedly with your lips because of anger? It happens. But my point is, Moses brought trouble on himself because why? Because he allowed anger to cause him to do something he shouldn't have done. Did he go to hell? No, no, no. He went to heaven. But he just didn't get to lead the people into the land of promise because he allowed anger. So we got to tune in. we got to tone down. And God help us to sweeten up. Amen. Let's stand tonight.